I'm Paul Sutton and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. When the UK and much of the world went into lockdown in March 2020, companies everywhere found themselves having to adopt and adapt to remote working methodologies pretty much overnight. UK daily active users of Zoom jumped from around 100,000 in mid-March to nearly 1.5 million in mid-July. Other technology platforms like Microsoft Teams, Slack and WhatsApp showed marked increases, partly as a result of businesses desperately trying to connect employees and clients. Much of what took place to keep commerce running during that time was little more than bootstrapping. And when lockdown ended, many employees were, if not forced, then at least advised that returning to the office would be expected in due course. Debate and speculation about the future of the office has continued through further lockdowns with some organisations announcing that remote working will now be the norm, and others seemingly set on getting everyone back in one building as soon as possible. The third option, which has been steadily gaining popularity in the last six months, is the hybrid model, where offices are still used as a central location for in-person meetings and working hubs, but with far greater flexibility built in for the workforce, who've become accustomed to no commutes and the ability to flex working hours. But while the huge majority of companies have had to adapt on the fly, there are others whose entire businesses are built on a virtual model, and arguably it is these that we should be looking to for hints, tips and advice. Today's guest is Nikki Regazzoni, co-founder of virtual PR agency, The PR Network. Nikki started in tech PR, and after a five-year stint at Citygate, had a spell as a freelancer at Byte Communications. It was here that she met the person who would turn out to be her business partner, Georgina Blizzard. But after the freelance position, she took a permanent role at a different company doing property marketing, but didn't think it was for her and reached a stage in her life where she felt she needed to make some longer term decisions. I was about, I guess, late late 20s. I got married. I was thinking about having kids. And this is relevant to to what George I ended up doing with the company. But um, I was concerned that it would be quite difficult for me to continue my career at a senior level in PR and bring up small children um, because I'd seen, you know, lots of friends and peers try it and frankly struggle in the traditional agency environment. And actually, by coincidence, George just had her first baby. So we were very much still in touch, really good friends. So I decided to go freelance at that point before I had kids and see if I could build up a, a kind of portfolio career for myself Um, and I quickly found having jumped off without uh, anything to kind of hang on to with a mortgage and all the rest of it that there was lots of work out there for senior experienced freelance professionals and I talked to George about it and we just had this idea that we could set up a new type of PR agency based on freelance consultants. The agency in question was the PR network which was established in 2005 with Nikki and Georgina marketing the concept to clients and recruiting a team of senior, experienced freelancers with a wide range of experience across disciplines, sectors and geographic locations. 16 years ago, there really was nothing in the market that offered the kind of flexibility to both clients and professionals that the PR network did. 
Nikki says that what's happened over the last year, where all agencies have had to adapt to being remote, at least on a temporary basis, has somewhat confused what the virtual agency model really is. She says that the term virtual has become conflated with officeless. And for Nikki and her team, it's more about the ability to access a broad range of skills no matter where they live and work. The motivation for us was kind of, yes, we didn't want to have a long commute, but it was more about... How could you grow an agency that could offer something really different to clients, which also has other benefits in terms of very low overheads in comparison to traditional agencies? So we could offer those cost savings to clients in terms of you know passing the cost savings back in terms of the fee reduction in the fee. So we just thought this is quite an interesting idea. Let's kind of go with it and see, you know, see what happens. Nikki is the first to admit that the growth of the business in the last 15 years has been driven by a lot of converging trends, from the move to flexible working and portfolio careers to the development of technology to enable remote working. When we set up the business, we laugh because it really ages us, but there were no kind of co-working spaces. You know, there was no easy access to really fast broadband wherever you went. You might have to keep stopping and starting. It was definitely harder when we set out, but that changed rapidly over time. And now, you know, we, we absolutely, one of the pillars of success for our business is our investment in technology to make it all work. Nikki says that even as recently as a year ago, some clients or potential clients still didn't understand that virtual teams could work well together, citing the ability to brainstorm or act as a team or have any sort of culture as reasons for confusion. But although I'm a little sceptical of this, she thinks COVID has changed all that for good. When COVID hit, all companies have been working in this way and delivering some really great work. So I think that kind of notion that it just doesn't work is now gone. Do you think that is genuinely the case? Though? The, the reason I ask that question is I've read a lot recently about how the hell you build a culture for a company if you're not sitting in the same room. And I understand the point to an extent where, you know, I, I might join an agency or a, or a company and I've been working remotely, so I've never really met, perhaps I haven't ever met the people in my team other than by Zoom calls. How can you make that culture exist if, if you don't ever see anyone in the real world? I think undoubtedly it's got challenges. And I should say as well, that although we don't have an office, we still absolutely love FaceTime with, <laughs> with our team. So... You know, we've always had, with the people who are working in the UK, we've always had business clubs or co-working spaces or some sort of place to call home in London. Mm. And, you know, there are definitely um, some things that are better done face-to-face and forming relationships and onboarding new people is better done face-to-face. I'm, I, I would absolutely agree with that. You know, we're not kind of ever advocating for, and perhaps we'll talk about this in a minute, this idea that you have to be either for or against the office I think that's ridiculous it's like it's not like we're saying you know you either love or you hate Star Wars is it I mean (laughs) I think it's possible to have both but um it is possible to to create a culture when people are not in the office all of the time um but I think from the beginning if you are in a situation where as during Covid where you know, you're hiring new people or you're trying to, to create a sense of team and people just can't see each other because it's against the law. <laughs> that obviously is really difficult. Yeah. You know, where we've come from, we set up our business from the start. It was, you know, it was just the two of us. And then over time, we hired more people. And we always, from the beginning, those people are all, all working somewhere in the UK from their homes. But we would onboard people and induct them, you know, at, 
and spend time face to face to just it's a more efficient way of doing it clearly I think where you can't do that it's about being really clear and with people on what you expect of them and having as many sort of catch-ups however that person likes to catch up <laughs> um you know whether it's just on the phone quick five-minute chat or whether they want to see your video or they want to do team drinks you know having a bit of mix of points of contact with people yeah and having a team spirit and what is that spirit i mean our, our, the essence of the pl network and you know we've never we've always had a flat structure and everybody in our network is senior knows what they're doing but we like to have fun and george and i you know i think we've got a reputation for you know just being nice to work with I hope and and sort of quite easygoing people who expect a lot of our teams and I think that's sort of embedded in the culture of the agency and, and then we you know we, we carry that out through a handbook that we share with all our people and you know everybody knows what we expect of them. When it comes to actually managing this this company ignoring the last year how often do you and George get together either physically or on, on a video call for example? I'm assuming it's every single day, but is it every single day? And how do you physically manage people? Are they expected to, I don't know, check in with you at certain times in the week? Or how, how do you manage that process? I mean, we've, we've done it in different ways over the 15 years we've been in business. And obviously, some of that time, we've both been, we've been having babies at different times. So that's always been quite interesting, you know, handing the baton back and forth. And uh, the reason I mentioned that is some of the time we've been working part time. So we speak most days and obviously during COVID, we both went back to working full time because that's the right thing to do for the business to mm-hmm. make sure that it was protected um, and that the team had the support that they needed. So we've been speaking pretty much daily in normal times. I'd say we do, we speak two or three times a week okay. um, in constant contact on, you know, obviously agency uses Slack and, and all the other tools you can imagine to keep in, in contact and communicate um, with each other and then there are, you know in terms of our and um, the broader team we um we have a team call on a thursday morning at 9 30 and we go through what the new business is on the table any issues that we're having that we want to sort of um, put to the team to try and solve anything else we might be working on uh any new clients that we want to go after so we'll just spend an hour or so all together um but it, you know we can't wait to see each other in real life so usually we would get together face to face as well um once a month Right, um, and that is at our club, um, Century in, in London, it's opening I think on seventeenth of May. So we will be there <laughs> next month, hopefully. So usually we'd have get everybody together face to face, and that would be for a sort of half day, full day. Beyond that, the team is in and out of London two or three times a week at different times, and we've got a couple of different co working spaces that we use, you know, for for clients and for teams. And then with the with the rest of our network, so the bigger teams and the people, the hundred or so people we've got working on our clients all around the world, you know, there are regular very regular catch-ups throughout the week with the client service director who runs each account and then the, the associate partners who are working on the on the program yeah okay there's been a lot of talk about people wanting to get back to the office people who, who are used to working in office wanting to get back to the office yeah. from my perspective as someone who's been a consultant for six years and, and hasn't worked in office for six years i i don't quite understand the the drive to do so I guess but a lot of that is maybe down to personality types again you've not worked in a in a proper office for 15 years do you understand the drive to want to be in a static office again it's really emotive isn't it I mean there are surveys coming out every day about this uh, which Mm. seems which seem to say, you know, X percent of staff will never return to say they never <laughs> or, you know, X percent of companies say they expect all staff to be in the office. It seems to be this sort of very binary topic. Like I said before, I don't really, I mean, 
certainly not against an office. And I think there are certain jobs and tasks and situations that are better um, resolved and and optimised face-to-face. So just because we, the PR network, doesn't have an office doesn't mean that I think that everything can be done virtually, you know. I think there are some things to be better to, to um, have FaceTime for, such as brainstorms. That's an obvious one. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, important company meetings or just something that can be resolved quickly with a five minute discussion. I wouldn't want to be in an office every day. I don't need to be. Um, but then I, um, you know, I'm in control of my own time and my, you know, I know how to do my job. I think it really depends what level of, on a few things, what level of uh, where you are in your career. So I think it's really different for a junior person that needs to learn from others. Then you're connected to their teams um, they perhaps don't have a working space at home you know that's suitable for them so they can't work properly <laughs> and they you know they perhaps crave a bit of more social interaction and sort of the social side of things that you know I, I mean I love all of that but I've also got children I have to worry about so I think it depends what stage you are at your in your career and your life and then also I suppose whether you're an employee or an employer so I think a lot of the pressure or the lot of the the sense that I get from, you know, this push to return to the office, apart from, you know, the, the pressure and the worry over commercial office space and all of this, what's going to happen yep. to that. You know, I think employers are worried about what are they going to do? They've got these offices there. How are they going to make their teams work? You know, what's it going to be like? It just, that all seems like quite a lot to have to deal with when really after COVID, everyone just wants to get back, to try and get back to normal. Mm. Um, and I hope that really that companies don't rush back to going to back to doing things how they were before because I think that there should be a middle ground here and mm. um, which is what I think you, you think yourself this idea of a hybrid just makes lots of sense we talked about that to provoke who wrote an article about it a year ago um, which I think was called we're all virtual now and I mean it just makes sense I think just to have access to a a central place where people can come and go and do the work that's best done in a in an office or with others when it needs to get done or for people who don't have anywhere to work from home you know don't have another place and need to be able to work properly and effectively and that's going to take a lot of balance and you know work to pl- on planning and capacity capacity planning and um you know layout and quite a bit of thinking but I don't see why it's not possible and also there'll be more you know, companies won't have lots of dead space. They'll be able to use that. You know, they've got offices that are bigger than they really need. I mean, certainly I remember, I think all the offices I've worked in have had lots of desks, empty desks, wait, you know, for all those people who never ended up joining. Mm. And that obviously puts a big pressure again on the agency overhead and, you know, it's difficult to be lean and agile. Um, And then that might mean that you can't hire the people that you need because you've got a big office, you know, you've got a lease that you've got to worry about. And that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and you're right. I do believe it. We will end up with some kind of hybrid model for for most companies. I I see some have been quite strong in their wording that we will be back in the office. But then you get some huge companies who are saying, "No, you you work at home as as long as you need to," sort of thing. So there is a there, there are very two two strong opinions there. But this, this hybrid thing seems to make sense to me. Where and I don't know how it works exactly. I guess that that is flexible as well, but where I can go to the office a couple of times a week if I need to or want to. Maybe I want to go and work five days a week in the office. That's up to me. Other people are going to want to be at home a lot more. But I I suppose, again, I'm talking about that from the view of that's what people want. And at the end of the day, these are commercial organisations. And as much as you want to ensure that your people are happy, 
there has to be some kind of rules there and and how the hell that's going to work i don't know i guess i referred to it earlier there's a there's a culture shift going on here and i i think each company has got to work out what its own culture is and how it adapts to this because i think it's a big gray area at the moment for a lot absolutely i think as you say it's sort of it's a bit difficult to tell looking from the outside where is the pressure coming from is it the companies that are saying right once we're allowed to we're going to pull our staff back and then there might be distance there or is it the staff saying the workforce saying I'm not coming back and surely then there's some way it's a bit in the middle really obviously I work for myself so I can work from where you know when and from where I want to um, but I was, will also go into London when I need to to see the team and to see clients you know I think it's a bit of both but I certainly don't have to go somewhere every day you know my, my husband works for a big employer and at the moment he's at home but when when you know, when they've decided what their guidance and rules are, then he will fit in with that. I mean, um, I think at the moment, you know, it's it's still in the wait and see phase, isn't it? But I don't think it should be, you know, whether a company needs an office or not, or whether staff are prepared to work in an office or not. It just should be, what's what's the physical space needed for? Mm. You know, what? Do, how can that kind of capacity planning be worked out properly? So, you know, how to cut the dead space down, optimise what's needed, how you can configure it for, you know, for safety and productivity and creativity and whatever. And then I think giving staff, perhaps at different levels, perhaps it's not a blanket policy that just says you can come in or not, because I don't think that would work for everybody. And certainly, again, you know, if you just started out in your career and you're told you can come in whenever you like, that's perhaps not right. So maybe there needs to be some, <laughs> you know, sliding scale of flexibility offered. But I think any company that, and I have heard some quite bullish statements myself as well, but any company that says, you know, we expect everybody back in the office all the full time, you know, from whenever that's allowed, think they're going to have a very difficult time attracting talent because there will also be a lot if we're just talking about the PR industry there's going to be a lot of agencies well there'll be some like us that perhaps you know set up from the get-go you know new agencies that decide to be virtual and don't need an office and decide to have a um, resource their clients in the way that we do and that's easier to establish a culture from the beginning if you've never had an office and that will be attractive to some people because there won't be any commute or any pressure to be in somewhere but I think for companies who just have a, a kind of, you know, that's it, a hard and fast rule, you have to come in, they're, they're just going to lose access to people who do want, for whatever reason it might be, and it's not because they're slackers, <laughs> they just want or need some degree of flexibility. Mm. I think that's just going to be a, an expectation now, whatever level people are. And we, to be honest, we were picking up on this a long time ago. George and I were members of the Women in PR organisation, which is a PRCA working group, and we were on the committee there. And again, this is for women, but it's it, flexible working is a much broader issue. I think everybody, you know, millennials, everybody wants a degree of flexibility in their working week. And as long as there are rules around that and expectations and KPIs and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing, if you just say, I'm not going to allow that, it's already hard to find good people, isn't it? I mean, yeah. talent is always the issue that comes up on, on every agency leader. It's always everybody's pain point. Don't make it harder for yourself. And then I think as well, you'll find that you'll get access to lots of brilliant, mostly women, but let's say parents, because it's not just women that who can't stay in the, you know, or couldn't stay in the PR industry on boards, you know, before COVID, if they were expected to be in the office till late at night, three or four days a week. So I think that's, I hope that this experience and this situation will mean that flexibility is just built in certainly at a senior level for everybody. And it's not that people are slacking off or not committed. It's just that work has to fit with life, particularly after children. 
And I think, you know, it really annoyed me last year when Boris said, right, we need to get everybody back to work. Remember last summer? Yeah, absolutely. I just thought that was so offensive as if people hadn't been working. I mean, everybody I know, because I suppose because I'm, I'm long in the tooth and everybody's sort of, you know, running agencies. <laughs> and, you know, I'm in a WhatsApp group with quite a lot of people that you know, I think. You know, right. you know, everybody's just working so hard and trying to keep the lights on. Just because people are not in an office doesn't mean they're not at work. Podcast analysis has always been a major problem for marketers, with outreach efforts reliant on dubious download numbers and a lot of guesswork. Until now, Podchaser Pro is a new service that solves the problem for podcasters and marketers alike. I caught up with co-founder Cole Raven. We've built this new product around audience sizes so that as like a PR agency or a marketing agency, you can use this tool to really understand how many listeners every podcast gets. And then we provide contact information on top of that. We understand how many people are listening to a podcast, in some cases, demographic data. You can't find that anywhere else. Check it out at podchaserpro.com forward slash digital download. It strikes me that perhaps the culture thing is going to be more of a shift for senior people, for the, for the I was going to say older, but more senior people in the profession who are going to have to adapt their management style in a lot of cases yeah. because th- this whole hybrid working and working remotely obviously has a lot of trust built into it. And, and you would hope that over the last year, We've learned to trust our staff, but I suspect that a lot of this drive to get people back to the office is around trust and still not trusting people to do their jobs when they're supposed to do them, which for the life of me, I don't understand, but I I suspect it's very ingrained in in some people and some organisations. I completely agree. I I think that's another one of our, you know, our pillars of a successful virtual agency. We say technology, trust, time and team and trust is... I think that's the main factor why flexible working, remote working, agile, whatever you want to call it, didn't, you know, never really took off before COVID because unfortunately a lot of employers, they want to be able to see people. They want to see what they're doing, when they're doing it, uh, maybe not where they're doing it from. That's easy if everybody's, you know, visible in the office. And unfortunately, presenteeism was still a problem in our in our industry. You know, yes. the whole issue with mental health and like, those are two inextricably linked, aren't they? But I think... I just would have hoped that after what's basically been a year with some stopping and starting of of having teams, even junior people working remotely and not being visible all the time, although I'm sure that's been really difficult. It will have been really difficult on both sides. (laughs) Just hope there'll be some more trust established because it's been proven that it is possible to work effectively. I'm sure there have been lots of problems with people not delivering because it was so stressful and, you know, there will have been lots of situations where perhaps people are missing deadlines because they're trying to get their heads around how to work without Mm. people to learn from as well you know I feel really sorry for people who are in the first or second years of their career and trying to work out how to take direction remotely and you know work out what they're meant to be doing and I bet there was frustration from senior people because they weren't getting what they needed quickly but I would hope that this has had some kind of impact on that but I don't know we'll see it does worry me like you said before that we still hear people saying you know we expect everybody to come back into the office I just think that's because they want to keep an eye on people yeah I mean, we've all had to get used to technology more over the last 12 months. 
you've obviously been doing this for a lot longer than 12 months and have seen technology evolve and enable you to do an even better job than you were able to do 15 years ago. Have you developed or do you use any tools over and above the technology that perhaps we've all become used to? Things like Zoom and Slack, for example, are now fairly commonplace, aren't they? I would would hope so anyway. (laughs) Is there any other things that you've used or you've seen evolve that you find useful? I've got to be honest, we just use the same things as everybody else. We're always asked about this. <laughs> we do use an awful lot of technology. I mean, we have at any one time, we've got about 15 subscriptions to different pieces of software um, just to make it all work. And obviously some clients want us to use Dropbox. Um, I mean, Dropbox is, is actually one of our clients. <laughs> and you know, for others, they want us to use Google and then you know, we've got all these associates around the world and some of them, have, you know, have got, got restrictions on what they can use. So we're using a bit of everything, the, the tools we love the most. I mean, we're, we're on Google and then we, we love Slack for our team interaction. Google Hangouts for calls rather than Zoom these days. We all got a bit fed up of, of Zoom. <laughs> and then, we, you know, we're looking into, we're always looking into how we can simplify and, um, you know, and reduce sort of, duplicate functionality in software yeah. so that's something that we're looking at at the moment so we've just actually um uh, promoted one of our team to operations director and his job is to well part of his job is to look at our tech stack and our infrastructure across the company and try and work out how we can have the best tools in place to support the business because obviously as we grow because we're still growing we had another growth year last year 14 percent right and as we have more countries and more people and more clients it's you know we don't want it to be a house of cards no absolutely and i mean you referred there to having lots of software subscriptions and i know going but this is going back a few years now but the last agency I worked in were very wary of building up too many subscriptions to different software platforms for different mm. things. But if you trade that off now yeah. against the cost of having an office, I mean, it's nothing, is it? You know, To be honest with you, because we didn't want to have an office, we thought we have to have a brilliant shop front. Yep. So we want to look and be as professional as possible from the outside. And we have to have a really good tech infrastructure. Yeah, because It's not reliable and robust and we just can't you know we can't be efficient quick and nimble you know then we're just not as good as a traditional agency and, and we don't have an office so mm. we've always invested in technology and I think that's paid off yeah one of the other biggest objections I hear to being completely remote and people feeling they have lacked in the last 12 months or so is the whole idea of serendipity and you know, not having a conversation around the water cooler or, or whatever and bumping into people and, and just having a chat about, I don't know, whatever, and it's sparking an idea. Is that something that has ever concerned you with being remote or does it not cross your mind? I think that um, that's one of the examples where it is better to be to be face-to-face with people some of the time. I mean, you're just not going to get those spontaneous moments if you've arranged, you know, a structured meeting on a Zoom call, are you? No. Um, I mean, I, I do think though also, I know this is one of the reasons why, you know, here agency owners say, we have to get back to the office because we can't be creative if we're not all together. Mm. And I think that's a little bit disingenuous, really, because, you know, I think lockdown and COVID has proven that we have worked in this way for a whole year. I think you can work with the circumstances that you find yourself in, can't you? And I think creativity is inspired by interaction and proximity to other people. 
So I think ideally there'll be some time when you can can get together. This doesn't. This would still have to be, you know, in terms of the hybrid model we're talking about. It, I suppose it still requires a little bit of planning because you can't have everybody in all of the time wandering around yeah, the water yeah. trying to be <laughs> trying to be original. But um, hopefully with the hybrid model that would be happening. I would just want to say as well, you know, the fact that we have all been virtual for a year. I don't believe that agencies have been saying to their clients they haven't been able to be creative for a year and they haven't done any good work. Right. They've still been selling solutions and delivering programs and they have been doing good work. I mean, I've just judged the Provoke Sabres for last year and I judged 98 awards, which was um, wow. quite, quite a task. <laughs> Um, but it was absolutely brilliant. It was, you know, it's global. So the, yeah. I mean, the entries were coming in from literally from far and wide across every topic. The, the um, diversity was amazing. But there were so many creative, amazing ideas and examples of where agencies or and in-house teams, but many agencies have had, had to very quickly adapt, you know, because they had their plans. And this happened to us as well with some of our big brand clients. You know, they had their plans um, and their activations or whatever. And then suddenly you couldn't do anything. Yeah. Basically, every entry had some kind of compromise or concession because of COVID. And yet there were so many examples where people have been, you know, there's real ingenuity and, and, you know, new tactics, clever use of technology, you know, AR lenses being used, you know, really great. So my point is just that those ideas were cooked up with people coming together virtually. Mm -hmm. I think it's not ideal, but I think it's, it's possible. Yeah. If we take the last few years then, what are kind of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome from being completely virtual and not having a, an office and not interacting with people in real life every day? What's what's the biggest challenges you faced? It definitely does have challenges. I think, you know, I'd never argue, as I say, that it's brilliant never seeing, you know, being entirely virtual. I just think some things are better done and more, you know, you can make um, faster decisions and um, resolve some issues much more quickly face to face. So I say, you know, where we've had, um, not this happened very often, but where we've had issues um, with our teams or perhaps situations with, with a client program where we've needed to come together and make some decisions quickly on that. I think anything where you just need to be able to have a quick conversation or to, to resolve something where there are some sensitivities, that's better face to face. And, you know, for us, we have this permanent team of staff who are all around the country um you know from from Cornwall up to the Midlands um and everywhere in between and we can't come together quickly so that can be a challenge if we need to, to have an urgent meeting we can't have an urgent meeting yeah, yeah. Face. and I think as well you know we talked a bit at the beginning about onboarding people mm. I think that could be although there are, there are ways to sort of put structure around that and make sure that people know how you want them to work and what you expect of them and so on. I think it's easier if you can spend some time with people just getting to know one another and building a relationship and a rapport. Um, and that's something that uh, in the early days from George and I, you know, we were mainly working in the UK at the beginning. You know, we would bring our teams together and spend time together in person. And then as we scaled and, you know, hired more people around the country and then started working in other markets, because um, that's something to mention as well. Obviously, dispersed teams that aren't in the same country, they're always working apart from one another and have to find a way to be effective. Okay. How do you think we will be working in offices in, in this industry in three or four years' time? I think that we'll see a lot more collaborative spaces or, or rather um, collaborations between like-minded businesses. So I was thinking about, you know, at the moment, Co-working spaces obviously have been a, have suffered a bit of a death because they're not very safe, mm. but that might go on for a little while until COVID is, is more under control. But I think we will see a move away from most agencies having their own space that's just for them because okay. I think it would be 
it just won't be cost effective. There'll be lots of dead space. Um, and I think they'll find that difficult to manage with the workforce. Um, I think they need to find a way to, you know, to make sure that they're, they're making use of the um, investment that they've made in their lease. And a way to do that would be to, to form a partnership with other business or businesses. So maybe we'll see more business office spaces, which have a few agencies right. that are kind of collaborative partners within that, not necessarily part of the same group even. I think this is something that's been done quite successfully in the past with agencies just sort of saying, oh, you know, I've got a couple of spare desks. Why don't you come in with us? And then I think we'll, we'll see a bit more of that. But mainly I think it will be about finding a balance between what companies actually need in terms of when they really need people to be in the office, what they need to people to be physically together for, what kind of work, where does it make sense for people to, to, to be on their own to work? So to have some space, if they do have an, you know a place to work at home where they can be comfortable and can work effectively, I think that more companies will allow people time and space to do that because that's more productive. And I just think there'll be, I hope there'll be more, more flexible guidelines about around who can come into the office and when and for how much time, or maybe there won't even be too much of a directive on that. I hope that will be quite fluid for most people. To chat to Dickie about virtual working, look her up on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.